Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Oh, we got college football talk today. USF looking for a head coach. Is John Gruden or Jim Levitt really in the picture, folks? I think the answer won't surprise you. And we've got the Buccaneers have their punter wins player of the week. How about this? Special teams player of the week. We're going to talk college football in just a minute, but Jake Camarda. Um, in that 16-13 to 13 win last Sunday over the Rams, he averaged 59.5 yards a punt on six attempts. It tied for the highest single-game gross average in NFL history among punters with at least six punts. The 54.2 net yards per punt was the third highest in league history among those with at least try, six tries. And, of course, the 74-yarder in the third quarter was insane. Um, Jake Camarda... Good news, fantastic punter. Changes field position. You love him. Bad news, he's getting way too much work, Steve. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a catch-22. I mean, Camarda did a fantastic job in that game. Yeah. And, and it's a big part of the field position battle, which kept it close. Yep. But if your punter's winning special teams player of the week, that means you punted <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and that's not a good sign. That's right. But a 16-13 to 13 game would indicate that anyway. Yeah, they say it's uh, it's okay if every possession ends in a kick. Mm, eh, well, maybe not a punt. Maybe an extra point would be nice once in a while. Uh, maybe in a field. The other guy that's you know the other guy that could they could take both these guys to the Pro Bowl as far as I'm concerned because Ryan Suckup, you know I know he got one block. <clears throat> Hold on a second, <clears throat> my voice was going. I knew it. I know Ryan Suckup got one block, but man, that guy has been nails. You know. Just he's missed one actual field goal. The block is a is a missed field goal as well. Um, but the guy leaped over the center. I think Bobby Wagner and, and did it. Um, so those two have been sensational. And even Jalen Darden's doing a nice job in the return game. And if you remember sudden. going into the season, special teams was a worry. I mean, it was one of those. And I think we were talking more about kick returns than yes. than actual punting and kicking. But special teams was not viewed as a strength on this team. Right. Suckup and Camarda have been very good, and Darden, as you said, is getting better. Getting better, yeah, and had a nice 20-yard return the other night. So, hey, we'll see. Um, but we got a lot of college football talk with Matt Baker, USF, and their head coaching situation. Very interesting there. Florida State making a turn now under Mike Norvell, starting to show some consistency and has a chance at a good record. And Florida gets the upset at Texas A&M. We're going to talk all about that here in just a second. But first, I want to remind you guys, if your uh, energy bill is going up, whose isn't? we got a solution for you. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems in the area for 12 years. A lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Get this. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Something goes wrong, 30 years. They're going to go out there and fix it for you. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. You won't get that. That is the May difference. If you visit their Hutchins showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install 
Plus, they don't use subcontractors. The guys up on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys. They know You know exactly who's doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of your life, and that of your appliances, May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, best time of the week. Get to talk a little college football with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. Matt, it's been an eventful week or so, to say the very least, in college football, particularly here in the state of Florida. You were at Miami, Florida State, big win for the Seminoles. That program seems to be back on track. Florida upset Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. So we've got lots to discuss, but let's start with USF, who gave uh, Coach Jeff Scott a copy of the home game. He is uh, no longer their head coach after a devastating loss, um, I think I think you would say, to Temple. Uh, did not go well up there, and they fired him a day later. So, look, there's a lot of names. We all know the names, right? Right away, you start hearing John Gruden. You start hearing Jimmy Levitt. What about the old guys? Just, you know, you had a chance to go over there and talk a little bit about that situation. Where are they at in terms of what they want, who they want, and, and what rumors can we dispatch of? <laughs> well, start by getting rid of those two, Jim Levitt and, and John <laughs> okay. Gruden. Um, Done. I, I cannot possibly see either of them. I do. No, just no. Um, forget about, particularly with Gruden. Let's, let's start there. Levin, yeah. at least you could make an argument um, in, in some ways because of the success that he had. And he's been in college recently. He, he took this year off, but he has been in college recently. Gruden was last in, in, at a college staff. It was Pitt in 1991. I was oh, in wow. kindergarten. <laughs> so the, the the game has changed so much in the last three years let alone 30 and listening to what michael kelly the the usfad was talking about uh in his press conference on tuesday he said things like someone who's been doing this in recent years and the modern day landscape and someone who can uh with a proven ability to recruit and retain talent in the transfer portal era and all that stuff and John Gruden does not check any of those boxes. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to say he couldn't do it, but things are so crazy. They, again, they've just changed so much in the last couple of years. With, with one example, roster management. Uh, let me let me give you two state examples here this week that'll kind of make this a little bit clear. Um, Florida State had a top fifty signee in this past class, a DB named Sam McCall. And on Monday, he tweeted or put on Instagram something that he was going to enter the transfer portal. Came out of the blue and then later kind of walked it back and said I was being emotional. And, and you know, uh, Mike Marvell had to talk to him about it. Who knows where that's going to end up? But that's something that didn't happen certainly in 1991, where you know, nine games into a freshman's career, he's upset and could leave very soon to go to Georgia or Florida or Auburn or wherever. That, that situation and that dynamic has changed. And there's all sorts of different complications with that. Okay, how do we keep him there? Is there, hypothetically, is there NIL things that need to be done? Because that's a, a thing now. Um, what is, is it a playing time issue? Is it other issues? Is the grass greener elsewhere? If he does go, what do we need to do about it? Do we need to look more at a fringe guy in 2023 class to get a DB with some, some uh, you know, a young DB in? Do we have to go harder in the portal there? There's all these different complications because of one social media post. So that's one thing. The other example I'll give and just how much stuff has changed is the Gators. Um, they play South Carolina 
on Saturday it's senior day as we sit here today at 9:25 uh, Wednesday morning recording this I haven't seen a list of like who's going to be honored at Florida on senior day that that's not a knock on the Gators let me let me be very clear about that but these things are so fluid because everybody got that extra year of eligibility because of covid so uh, who knows who really could leave who wants to leave obviously the NFL is an option for some people could leave and go transfer somewhere else. There's just so many different options and things with roster management that didn't exist a couple of years ago. But whoever USF hires is going to have to figure that out because that's arguably the biggest job, biggest part of the job. So that's why Michael Kelly was kind of saying what he did. And that allows us to, just based on pure logic, eliminate John Gruden. Um, can I can I take a quick left turn here? Have I, have I shared my groomer story on this podcast before? No, you have not. Okay, we love groomers. I love, I, I, I love, love the groomers. phrase okay. "groomers." I could say "groomers" all day. It's terrific. It's fantastic. I, I don't know who came up with it, but it's been, you know, it's it's been around for at least a decade, and I know that because I'm looking at a 2012 story that I wrote. Wow. So, um, <laughs> here, here's here's the background. Um, I was covering high schools at the time in Pasco County, and yeah. I was checking our web traffic to see what stories people were reading on our website recently. And I noticed that a couple, a story from a couple weeks ago about Gulf High School's football coach, a guy named Tom Carter, resigning had just blown up. Like, okay, so so why on earth are people all of a sudden reading this old story about Gulf High School's football coach resigning? Well, it turns out that the, the traffic was coming from this site called VolQuest, which is of course a Tennessee message board. So follow along here very carefully. Uh, Charlie Strong and Mike Gundy had just said that they're not going to take the Tennessee job, which was open. So mm-hmm. Tennessee was still looking for a coach. And somebody named uh, Baby Vol, it appears, um, said that uh, John Gruden is friends with a guy named Tom Carter in the Tampa area. Well, wouldn't you know, but a guy named Tom Carter in the Tampa area, who was a football coach, just resigned. Ooh. Therefore, he resigned... Because John Gruden is putting his staff together, this Tom mm. Carter guy is going to be involved. Uh, as Burnt Orange replied, and the, the plot thickens. And then Buckhead <laughs> Vol 1 said, the smoke signal is getting taller, and I am sure non-believers <laughs> are second-guessing now. Um, Tom, t- Tom Carter went, I believe, 1-19 in, in his two years at golf. It, it wasn't working. He, he decided to go and do something else, and, and that's fine. But that's just how stupid these things go, and that was... Unfortunately, what I was doing on Monday and unfortunately what uh, Michael Kelly, the AD, was being asked about literally before he could even start his news conference on Tuesday. Well, it, it, and of course, a, a local radio station, which we, we won't name, um, was was certain that it was John Gruden's job to turn down um, is the way it was presented. So we know that's not true. Uh, so it's not going to be John Gruden. It probably is not going to be Jim Levitt, although he's in the area again, so he would love that. But here's the thing, Matt, and we've talked about this before. You know, they, they, they can't get this wrong, right? Whatever they do, no. they can't get it wrong. Like, this is a critical time for USF to try and raise money for a stadium. Uh, they've been down now too many years. They've missed opportunities to go to Power 5 conferences that other teams from this conference has gone to. So by the same token, can they sell a, 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 an up-and-coming coach? Uh, or will it be somebody who has been a head coach before? In other words... A lot of what they're talking about when I was listening yesterday 
sounded a lot like the guy they just fired. You're right. You're, you're exactly right. Um, the guy they just fired didn't work, but that doesn't mean that uh, a Jeff Scott with a different name and, and slightly different background can't work. Right. Um, you know, uh, one thing I'm going to be looking at this week, I don't have the stats ready yet, but I, I want to break down what successful AAC, you know, we'll go back to the, the, the Big East and the last iteration of it, Mountain West, what, what are the successful coaches, what are their backgrounds going into it? And off the top of my head, I don't, again, I don't have the data to support this quite yet, but off the top of my head, there are guys that looked a lot like Jeff Scott. You know, we'd certainly look at um, what Scott Frost did at UCF, right? Absolutely. You look at Josh Heupel having a, a good amount of success at UCF. Um, those are the types of guys that often work where, where they're an assistant somewhere and they're a rising star and they go and they, they make it big. Um, are there some other counter examples? Yeah, I'm sure there are. But that's why I think I, if I'm Michael Kelly, I wouldn't dismiss the idea of the next Jeff Scott, even if this hire didn't work. Um, yeah. So to kind of go back to your original question, who, who, who could kind of be in on this? It just depends on what bucket they want. Do they want that rising star guy? In which case, you know, uh, I, I don't know that Kenny Dillingham, the Oregon offensive coordinator, would be in the mix. I, I think he can get a power five job soon, but he would be somebody I'd look at. Juwan mm-hmm. Sider, Penn State running backs coach from the muck down in South in South Florida, not University of South Florida. He's somebody that would be in the mix. Um, Alex Atkins, the Florida State offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, he revamped an offensive line that was historically bad. And he's a rising star in the profession. He'll be a head coach sooner rather than later. Maybe this is one that makes sense. Um, then kind of the next bucket is what uh, this isn't the politest term, but the retreads for backup, lack of a better word. And that's your Dan Mullen. That's your Tom Herman, um, Justin Fuente, uh, who was at Memphis and did well there before, you know, tanking at, at Virginia tech, Manny Diaz, that kind of ilk, the Scott Frost. Uh, although I think Frost wants to take a year off is, is my understanding. And then the other kind of bucket in here is the sitting head coaches. Um, and obviously, you're not going to get somebody from Georgia to take the job, right? But um, maybe you can get uh, Willie Simmons at Florida A&M. He's somebody that I think is going to get a really hard look. Um, Jason mm-hmm. Candle at Toledo. You know, I was watching their action game the other night. For a while, I thought he was headed for much bigger things, and then they kind of hit some bumps. But he's got a chance to win his division and maybe win the MAC this year. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Sean Lewis at Kent State is one who's done a fantastic job at a really, really hard place to win. And then I think one of the most exciting programs in the country, Coastal Carolina. Jamie Chadwell has done a really good job uh, this year. I would think he would get Power 5 looks. At least I would give him Power 5 looks if I were an AD. But if that doesn't materialize, USF could probably give him a significant raise. Um, I think Jeff Scott was making about double what, what he's making. And, you know, his, his quarterback, Grayson McCall, who's just been a fantastic, fantastic college player, he's going to be heading out soon. So if, if Jamie Chadwell wants to get, now's the time to get. And maybe USF would be an option there. How good of a job is it? I mean, really, uh, everybody talks about, you know, Sleeping Giant and, you know, look at the recruits in Tampa, look at the, look at the amount of players that come from this area. And, but you know what, UCF took them you know i mean they've 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 progressed and up and out and 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 you still have florida you still have florida state you still have all these 
you know, Georgia and now Alabama. I mean, everybody's in this fertile recruiting land. You got the stadium thing, which is still sort of on the horizon. The facility's better. But is it that sleeping giant still, or are they just going to be a middling program, you think, in a, in a conference of, you know, lightweights? That is the ultimate question here, because that obviously determines who you can get, right? right. How good is right. this How's program? it perceived, in other words, yeah. Yeah, so I understand the sleeping giant thing. Um, the word that I would use is potential, but potential is just a, a nice way of saying you haven't done it yet, Right. Um, this is a program that, yes, there. I think it's the 26th year, and so it is still young, and it has done a lot in 26 years. That that is true. But here's the other side of it. Um, I was I'm looking it up the other day. Uh, group of five programs that have not won a conference title or made it to the conference championship game since 2000, and, and that have actually like been playing the whole time at this level. Here's the list. You ready? Tulane, Eastern Michigan. UNLV, New Mexico, USF. That's the list of group of five programs, current group and and current G5 conferences that have been playing since 2000 and have not won a conference title or made it to a conference championship game. That's not a good list to be on. And there are very, I mean, there's reasons why, right? Um, I I say this all the time. One bad coaching hire happens lots of places. Two, eh, you're a little bit unlucky. But if you've got three or four in, in pretty short, you know, not a lot of separation between them. There's something that's up with the school. There's something that's up with the program. And it's fair to wonder how much of that is the program. But here comes the but. The job that Jeff Scott inherited is not is not the job that Joe Schmo, whoever he is, will inherit. There are definite things that are better. Uh, Michael Kelly talked a lot that, about that yesterday, that they made a lot of just behind-the-scenes updates to, to help the student-athlete experience and, and nutrition, things like that. Um, I mean, they have a $3.3 million locker room that they moved into not long ago. They are starting this week able to have limited use of the indoor practice facility before it formally opens here in a couple months. Um, the stadium stuff, they're still making progress on that, and it's realistic to think that the next coach will be able to take advantage of that certainly in recruiting and selling that vision but also being able to play there that's a a feasible possibility so this is this job is better than it was um but it's still a job that has never won at a high level and certainly never sustained it so i would still think it is one of the better group of five jobs in the country um especially as ucf and 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 houston and, and those guys move on um but it's it's not an elite job either by any means yeah well we wish them the best i mean you know they, they certainly uh have to get it right this time and you know i i am aware of a number of people that would like that job that maybe some names that people have heard before maybe not but i don't think they'll have any shortage of candidates i really don't i think they're going to have a pretty good pool to choose from and they just they just have to get it right Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right. Well, speaking of getting it right, you were at the Miami-Florida State game. 
That has been an intriguing game over the years. A lot of weird things happen. Not so many weird things happen unless you're <laughs> Miami on this one. Uh, Florida State just took them and took them down hard. Uh, this was a big game, I think, um, for Coach Norvell and, and his Seminoles. And it, I think you wrote a story about this, uh, Matt, in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. You can still build things these days. You can still you can still make it happen. And it looks like that's what's going on at Florida State right now. Yeah, absolutely. It, everyone wants it now. I mean, I, that's in just in general societal um, sure. uh, point, but but also in, in college football. And there, there there are reasons why, right? Like uh, Kirby Smart went to the national title game in year two. Um, LSU, you know, Brian Kelly's got them and the SEC West, you know, the driver's seat in year one. Uh, Dan Lanning at Oregon in year one has a team that could, you know, probably going to win the Pac-12 and, and uh, with a chance at the playoff. Uh, Josh Heupel, Tennessee, they're still very much in the playoff picture in year two. And, and Norvell's not there, right? Florida State isn't. Uh, they they were you know, three and six the first year, five and seven last year, so better, but still not mm-hmm. good enough. Mm-hmm. And But this year they broke through. And, and breaking through is not, you know, they're not going to win the national championship. They're not going to win the division. It's, it's long-term, this is not good enough at Florida State. But to see that progress, that the climb is what Mike Norvell calls it, it's showing that you can still do it the old-fashioned way, where you don't have to do it. If it doesn't happen in year two, it doesn't mean it, it, you're done. You don't have to do it all with transfers immediately. You can take a little bit of time, get the, the right guys that fit what you're doing, develop them, coach them right, learn what makes them tick, and it can still work. Uh, that's That was the takeaway for me. When you look at the most of the big plays that were done on Saturday, it's like Jamie Robinson, the safety, had a huge, uh, uh, just a vicious stop in the red zone and, and down to punt at the five. Johnny Wilson mm-hmm. had a huge catch. And, and Micah Pittman was the um, you know one of their best blockers at receiver. Trey Benson had, I think it was six uh, carries when he was at Oregon last year and then for 100-something yards on his former coach. All those guys are people that Norvell brought in. And yeah. they fit yeah. exactly what he wanted both at on the field and then just the, the character person. And I think some of that stuff is a little bit overblown. But when you see it work the way it clearly works Saturday, that's a sign that he knows what he's doing. And it, it's working there. I, I, again, I don't know that he's going to win in the national championship. I don't. I, I can't tell you who's going to win the conference next year. I, I can't. I, I don't know that. either. But I do know that it's showing that. You can still do it the old-fashioned way where it takes a little bit of time. It's a slower climb rather than a, you know, flip the switch, here we go. And that's encouraging, obviously, for Florida State, but also for, for Miami and, and the Gators, where neither one is where fans want them to be in year one. But both coaches kind of understand that this is going to take some time. And if the, pa- the fans are patient and, and the coaches know what they're doing with that roster management and they get the time to do it, Florida State's proof that it can work. It absolutely is, and and I, I think that that's what they're trying to do at the University of Florida, and and early returns anyway uh, would indicate, especially what they did. Look, I know Texas A and M has more than a few problems, and Jimbo Fisher. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, they owe him so much money; he's almost unfireable at this point. Um, but I still think that's a, a big win when you can go into College Station and do what the Gators did. I think their quarterback took a big step. What did you see when you looked at the results of that game? Yeah, look, winning in the SEC is tough. Yeah, Texas A and M. Yeah, they had a bunch of players out with the flu. I, that's legit. But those guys are on scholarship too. They still have a lot of talent. They're still coached by a guy who won a national championship. That's the thing. I was there. I saw it. Yeah, um, yeah. 
so beating them period is an accomplishment doing it on the road is even better it had been i think a couple years since since florida had won a road sec game so Mm -hmm. that's an accomplishment too that that needs to be acknowledged um I saw I saw progress with Florida. I really did. Um, I think we've talked about it before, but Anthony Richardson is kind of leveling out a little bit. He, he's little bit, yeah. getting he's, he's smoothing out some of the rough edges and some of the disastrous plays that he'd made early in his career. He, he's gotten rid of those a little bit. You see a run game that's working, and you saw a defense that made a lot of progress uh, this past week. And I don't know how much of that is Texas A&M's offense is garbage, which it is. Um, and all the injury or you know injuries and illnesses, there's definitely some of that too. But uh, Billy Napier said this week that he he kind of saw that the the team understood a little bit more the whys, right? They were kind of starting to get it and, and to figure out what what parts of the execution they were missing. And so maybe they did kind of turn a corner there at Texas A and M. And you know I don't know what sort of a test South Carolina will be this week, um, just because they you know. Florida's got more talent, although South Carolina plays pretty hard. So I, I don't know what sort of a test that will be, but the last couple games of the season will definitely give us a little bit of an indication on whether they are rounding that corner, particularly on defense. Yeah, Billy Neighbor, you could get some momentum going here, and then, of course, they, they uh, have Florida State in a couple of weeks. That'll be a, a big test. Florida State trying to continue their success. They go to Syracuse. I thought Syracuse... They were ranked. They were one of the top teams in the country, and then I think they've been exposed. Matt, how good are the Orangemen? Uh, fraud is a little bit harsh, but they, they were kind of fraud. It was a fool's gold. There we go. That's a nice There you go. Fool's say. gold. Yeah. Fool's gold, where you know, they had a win early in the year against Purdue, where Purdue, I think they committed like eight penalties in the final minute and a half or something just disastrous. And they had a close win over Virginia, who stinks. I was not high on Syracuse. And, you know, I'm an AP top 25 voter. We've talked about that before. Every couple weeks I tick off a different fan base, not, not trying to just, (laughs) Oh, you've got, you've got this team way lower. Why do you hate my team? So Syracuse was the one a couple weeks ago that I offended greatly. And I do feel a little bit, um, vindicated is not the right word because that's, that's just too strong, but I was, I was right. And it's, it's always nice to see that, you know, Maybe I, I kind of know what I'm doing, at least to some degree. And I wasn't overly harsh. No, I saw some flaws, and they were proven to be correct. And I think Florida State shouldn't have a problem at Syracuse. And, you know, said it a couple weeks ago, I think Florida State wins the last five. And after seeing them truck Miami, I feel better about that critis- or about that prediction, which is why I'm sure it will be wrong. <laughs> well, that's college football, right? I mean, that's, that's just Absolutely. the way it kind of goes. Um, we've talked about USF. They, they're going to host SMU. This is a tough game. You fire a coach. You have an interim coach. I couldn't even tell you who he is. Special teams guy, maybe. Um, yep. So, uh, how, you know, what do we think? Is, is this doable for them against the Mustangs? Well, the, the Mustangs who only put up seventy-seven points <laughs> yeah. against Houston the other day in the highest uh, regulation scoring game in the history of major college football against um, a defense yeah. that can't stop anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty tough sell. Although, if, if you're a USF fan looking for optimism, here's what I'd say. There have been plenty of schools this year that have gotten kind of the the, the dead cat bounce, right? Mm-hmm. Where Auburn hung with Mississippi State the other, week, or the other day after firing Brian Harson and Cadillac Williams' first game. 
Nebraska played a lot harder um, after getting rid of Scott Frost. Uh, Georgia Tech won a game or two after getting rid of, of Jeff Collins. So you can see at work where just there's a different voice there. Uh, you know what? Let's let's go out and have some fun. Forget about the pressure. Forget about the expectations. Yeah. Uh, I just think SMU is significantly better. Um, so that, that's kind of a tough road. But you look at next week, uh, Friday night at Tulsa, that's the one that I would pencil in for USF. Like maybe that's when this kind of shows up. We've got UCF is playing Tulane. Those are two pretty good teams in that conference. Um, I would watch that game. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, where where you, UCF and Tulane are both kind of top twenty-five teams. Winner of that's got a legit chance at kind of kind of becoming the front runner in the AAC. And, and at, at that point, you've got a chance to to represent the Group of Five at the I think it's the Cotton Bowl this year. So yeah, that that's one where maybe not the the highest brands if you're a, a, just a general college football fan. But UCF's offense is exciting. I, I like the way uh, Tulane runs this kind of triple option inspired stuff, but with that a lot more modern too. So I think they're just kind of different, uh, different blends of offense that, that should make that a fun one. All right. So another national game um, taking place in Texas of all places, the Texas Longhorns against TCU, which just keeps rolling. Yeah. I think TCU is eventually going to slip up. Um, just, I mean, they're not loaded. It's not an elite roster. I don't know that they can sustain this. Texas has been playing better um, and you know had a, had a nice win not long ago against Kansas State. Um, so I think that's a tricky one for, for TCU going into Austin. The other wrinkle to this, uh, I mean, TCU is, I don't think legendary is too strong of a word, but uh, former coach Gary Patterson, there's a statue of him in front of the stadium because of everything he did for that program. He's on staff at Texas. You think this is one he hasn't been oh. thinking about for for quite some time after TCU kind of oh, yeah. there's the door mosey on. Yeah, no, definitely. Let me ask you about this because this, I, I, you know, we'll get into the national uh, playoff picture here in, in a second and, and get your your thoughts about the, those top four. But can LSU be in the national championship with two losses? Is there a scenario for that? Yeah. If, if, if they, I mean, they went out and win the SEC, yeah. Yeah. I, I cannot – it's hard for me to imagine, unless just in a really weird year, an SEC champion not being in the, the Final Four. That, that I don't see that happening. So Correct. if they went out, you know, obviously they would have the, the win over Bama, the win over Ole Miss, which was, was, was nice. Um, the one, one loss was, I mean, blocked extra point in week one against a top 25 team in Florida State. I think the committee might give some leeway to this is the new coach's first game. Just a, a tiny bit of leeway there. Um, and, and then you look at, obviously, they would if they went out, then that means they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Yeah, I, I would think they would have as good a resume as just about anybody. Um, they wouldn't be the number one seed. I would presume that'd be Ohio State slash Michigan, whoever comes out of the Big Ten there. But yeah, I think in that scenario, that a, a two-loss uh, LSU would get in. Did the Heisman Trophy race get scrambled at all over the weekend? I mean, I, I'll say this. I, I'm watching Bryce Young. I'm still so impressed with him. If, if, if they had a defense that could rise up at the right time, he's had some Heisman moments, but they don't get the win, so I don't think it matters. But I think he's playing as well as he did, if not better than last year. I think so too, Rick. And uh, he's going to be 
on that list of 10 or so guys that I'm watching the rest of the year and that I will really consider. I mean, I go yeah. back to the Tennessee game, right? Right, Where, right. Yeah, yes, his team did not win. Uh, he threw a pass to Jamar Gibbs on second down on an angle route that Gibbs dropped. And if he catches it, it's a different story. Um, but the final score is what it is. I, I, I get it. But watching that game in the press box in Tallahassee, everyone's glued to this thing. Sure. I Look, Hendon Hooker's really good. He was not, Hendon Hooker was not the best player on that field. No, he wasn't. Young, <laughs> no, period. he wasn't. And yeah. I don't know that he wasn't the best player on the field at LSU, too. Just the, some of the Houdini stuff he does, it is special. And yeah. I, I, again, as I vote, the, the, the criteria is most outstanding player in the country. Right. Period. Right. I, it does not say on the best team. It does not say for a winning team. It, no. Most outstanding player in the country. Yeah. And again, I haven't given a, a ton of consideration yet. I want to see how it plays out. But off the top of my head, I think he probably is the most outstanding player in the country. And so I do not factor in team success, any of that stuff. I look at how they did, how, 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 that, how the, the player performed. And if he, well, you know, he played really well in those losses. And I don't know that I'm going to hold that against him. So he's very much in the mix. But, uh, you know, Hendon Hooker losing dings his chances just the reality of it because a lot of people a lot of voters don't view it the way i do so i mean maybe cj stroud's a front runner although max duggan at tcu is pretty darn good good too it's gonna be interesting um and, and i like i said I, I don't think i've seen a better player than bryce young in some of the big moments that he's had he just haven't won the games so who do you have in your top four and uh in the uh playoff race right now yeah uh georgia Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. That's the okay. one through four I did at the Holiday Inn Express in uh, Davie, Florida on, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah you did. Um, <laughs> on like no sleep. No help from the uh, five-year-old this time? or uh... No, no. Just be, yeah, because I was on the road. Although my wife texted me uh, as I was doing that. He went into my office and got a piece uh -huh. of paper and pencil. So he uh -huh. was doing it on the coffee table. Uh, yeah. watching, watching college football final with the dog next to him. So oh, man. <laughs> he, did, I love he, did, he couldn't, he couldn't help me this time, but, uh, that's what I came up with. The, the, the playoff picture is still interesting to me. Um, you know, Georgia, barring something crazy, they're in, uh, Ohio state, Michigan, whoever wins that they're in. If TCU wins out, they're in. But the, the next, the, the final spot is going to be interesting. Um, Michigan's non-con schedule is garbage. And at a certain point, that will hurt them unless they win out, which is which is possible here. Um, they're going to have to have the debate between Tennessee and Oregon, who both had one loss, which was a blowout to Oregon, or excuse me, to Georgia. Tennessee's final score was closer, but neither one was like neither one had a chance. So right. uh, you know, I think they will kind of view a lopsided loss as a, a lopsided loss and leave it there. Right. Um, but just the fact that they the one loss was a common opponent is, is going to just a, a different wrinkle to this. And then like the, the, the ACC, I don't think is going to get in, but we can't discount them at this point. Um, right. If you know, Clemson and North Carolina both have one loss, both to Notre Dame, curiously enough. So if enough weirdness happens around where, you know, maybe Michigan drops one or Ohio State drops one, it shouldn't, TCU, who knows? Maybe the ACC can still get back in this, although I, I tend to doubt it. But 
Yeah, so the good thing about the playoff is there's more teams alive now than there were in the BCS era. But I also look at this thinking, man, if we had a 12-team playoff, there'd be a lot of really exciting stuff going so on. So much fun. So much fun, Matt. We got to do that. They got to do that soon. And I'll tell you what, Notre Dame has beaten four ranked opponents in a row. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know that I'd want to run into them in the first round of some playoff. You know what I mean? They, they, they might be deserving in that scenario. Right. I mean, obviously they, they – I mean, they played Ohio State decently in, in week one. So, okay, yeah. that's fine. And then they yeah. had just, I mean, they're just disastrous losses to, to Marshall, who's not that good. Horrible. Stanford, yeah. who's, who's terrible. Yeah. yeah. But they've, they've turned the corner. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing about how an expanded team, 12 team playoff will work, U- Utah is the example last year where right. Utah stumbled early. They figured out, oh, we were playing the wrong quarterback. And they, they put in Cam Rising. And then they become one of the hottest teams in the country. And they just start dominating everybody, took Ohio State down to the very end in the Rose Bowl in one of the best games of the season. In, in that scenario, they're the I don't know, number six team in the playoff or whatever, putting them up against uh, Georgia, I don't know, whoever it is. Nobody wanted to play them. Uh, I'm not saying they would have won the thing, but they would have been a very tough out and a very competitive, fun game for whoever they had. So that's what one of the things that will make this exciting once it happens is there'd be so many more teams right now that would be in the discussion with serious chances um and and then just can somebody get hot and and have a chance to kind of spoil some seasons it's gonna be fascinating you of course will be at florida hosting south carolina shout out to my friend hunter who's a big gamecocks fan graduated from there Good luck with that trip up to Gainesville, buddy. <laughs> you may need it. Um, but it's, uh, you never know in the SEC. That's that's the great thing. That's why they play the games. And Matt Baker will give it to you in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Matt, safe travels, buddy. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks, Rick. All right. Hopefully by the time you hear this podcast, I will have landed in Munich, Germany, where I will be uh, with the Buccaneers. They arrive on Friday morning. Uh, United States time, and they'll be flying all night after practice Thursday, uh, weather permitting, and so um, we'll get you ready for the Bucks and the Seahawks. A very important game. Two division leaders, not necessarily the way you thought they'd get there. Bucks four and five, of course. Tom Brady going to be huge, and uh, now has a chance to win in four continents. So uh, it's going to be an exciting game. Looking forward to uh, getting to visit Munich. The pictures are great. The people I know they're over there having a ball. So uh, we'll bring you all that color on Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Look for that. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.